Hello, this is Alexander Siddig, and you're listening to Neil Before Pod, and don't tune out. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to a very sombre edition of Neil Before Pod. I'm your host Craig McKenzie, and this episode exists to say goodbye to a cultural icon. I am of course talking about Hugh Jackman's apparent final outing as the X-Men character Wolverine in James Mangold's Logan, which also sees the end of Patrick Stewart's long run as Charles Xavier. In a slight change from the norm, this podcast will be rated R, or 15 if you happen to be in the UK, just because Logan happens to be aimed at an older audience than normal superhero films. And with me, my ex-team are Natalie... X-Team. Like, yes. we're no longer your team. <laughs> no, as in, you're like the X-Men, not not the <laughs> former team. <laughs> yeah. I could see why you might think that. Present. I apologise. And Angus. <laughs> Hello. It appears that we're all that's left in this bleak and desolate future. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> I, I also think... think, spoiler alert for... Final outing for Hugh Jackman because I only found that out on um, Graham Norton. I thought it was going to keep on going. Well, the poster says one last time, so, you know. Uh. <laughs> it's pretty well, common knowledge. Well, if I'd seen that. Yeah, mm. I've, I'm careful about spoilers. That's, we're fine. Okay. So, how are we this evening? I am trying to be spoiler free with my feelings. <laughs> about how you are. Yeah. <laughs> Not spoil your current feelings of well-being. No, I just wonder if I can say that. I yeah, I don't know if I can say how I feel without it being spoiler-free. I feel fine. I also <laughs> feel fine. <laughs> you guys are heartless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, now that we're all established as fine, that's and. Yeah. And spoilered, apparently. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's safe to say that Hugh Jackman's portrayal of Wolverine is some of the most iconic casting ever, really. He's played the character for about 17, 18 years. Yeah. He's been in almost every X-Men film. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, almost, why, what did he miss? Deadpool. Is that an X-Men film, though, really? He's an X-Men oh. character, so yeah. There were some X Men. There are, yeah. And they there's even like the... joked about not being able to afford the good X Men. I know, yeah. but I didn't think it was an X Men movie. I thought it was like a, like a sideline sort of commentary movie, which was like on the peripheral of the universe. Well, it is, but it still counts as 
being part of the the X franchise. Do you think that most people consider it to be an X Men movie? Sure. Right. Okay. Yeah. If that right. Well, I don't. So. It's the it's the only one he missed. Although he was only in two seconds of first class as well. So I think it's a movie that happens to have X Men in it, but isn't an X Men movie. Oh. But then we digress. <laughs> yeah, we'll be here all night with technicalities, so we'll move on. So his portrayal's been iconic. Um, yeah. So I guess we should just start with our personal history of discovering him in this role and what we think of him through the years and through the films and through mm-hmm. the good and through the bad. Uh, Angus, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. Um, I, I I suppose it's difficult to think of him not as Wolverine now because, he's, as you've said, he's been playing this part for so long. Um, and I think even from the very beginning, he seemed to kind of fit the fit the bill pretty well. I was because he's hot. I was mainly familiar with the character from uh, the cartoons, um, but I think that when Hugh Jackman took on the role, he kind of he's he's obviously emerged as one of the sort of most uh, well loved characters of the movie franchises because he's <laughs> showed up in so many of them and got his own spin offs and things, and I think that kind of goes to show just how well he embodied the character. Yeah, I would agree. I think he's been great in the role. I think when I first saw him, I just I thought, yeah, he's definitely Wolverine, despite mm-hmm. the fact that he's actually too tall. Wolverine is three foot eight or something like, or five <laughs> foot eight in the <laughs> three. No, it is, it is three foot something. I'm sure. Uh, is he's, he's, a, he's a short arse, yeah, because right. uh, he was born in like the 1800s or something. So you know, people weren't as tall back then. I don't like the idea of a three foot eight Wolverine. Well, obviously, in the movies, he's kind of, um, uh, you know, grown a bit and fits in <laughs> yeah. a bit more. Can I just say that um, I actually really didn't like X-Men movies when they first started coming out? You didn't like the X-Men movies? <laughs> <laughs> I am, um, yeah, like out of all the superhero movies and things like that, I just never liked the X-Men movies and I never read them and I never watched the cartoon and I always felt like an outsider watching them because I didn't have all this background knowledge of who all the characters were and what their special powers were and I don't know it it kind of alienated me so I never really enjoyed it but I remember even though the first lot kind of set up the whole I know but I just I don't know maybe I didn't I feel like I did see them and I feel like I saw it in the cinema but I'm feeling like the first one I might have seen might well, have been f- my first year of working in the cinema. So what came out in 2005? Um, it's probably X-Men 3. Oh, well, I, <laughs> I, like, I feel like I might have seen some of them, but I really, like, I didn't like them at all. And then um, and then I saw this one and fucking loved it. <laughs> like, it's the first X-Men movie that I've really given a crap about. Like, oh. <laughs> uh, so it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I, can I don't see where understand. You're coming... I'm so confused. Like, I'm so confused I... because it's so brilliant. I can see where you're coming from with feeling alienated because the first X Men film you appear in the middle, pretty much. You know, the mutants are already established. The X Men are already established. The the conflict between Xavier and Magneto has been going on for years, and it's and like... Wolverine's your intro to that actually. But also, it's it was kind of the start of bringing comic book movies back into being credible things. 
So mm. what you've got is um, the first film, they, they don't have their colourful costumes and things, and, and they exist in a, a relatively contemporary real world. So, you know, it was the success of that that allowed you to get things like Spider-Man in his red and blue suit a couple of years later. Yeah, and most of the other, well, pretty much all of the X-Men that are in it are already kind of bought into the uh, Xavier ethos. But yeah. then you're experiencing discovering the world with Wolverine when he's kind of brought into the fold. Wolverine and not Rogue, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I it have to be honest, though, watching the latest one and how that's all gone about, it's really made me want to go and watch all the other movies, just like start back at the beginning and watch them all because for for one thing, like it really shows like such a passage of time and it's when are we in spoiler free zone? We're not spoiler free. Spo- I mean when yes. are we with the spoiler spoiler free zone? Because yeah. The, the interesting thing about the, the X-Men films is which beginning would you start from? I mean, you could watch five oh. films and get them all erased because they, you know, there's a time travel reboot at some point. Oh, that's another thing that kind of pissed me off about these movies. Like, it's not that I'm against that, but I just remember being like, that's another way of, like, dicking me about when I'm trying to watch this movie is that they're <laughs> playing all these multiple timelines and shit and I just want to know what's going on. Like... <laughs> I can barely understand what's going on anyway, and then they're making it all weird and stuff. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna start from the actual, like the chronological beginning of them making the movies, because that's what I think I want to see. I want to production order. Yeah, it's a good way yes. to start. Yeah, yes. production order. Yeah, fair enough. Or's approach. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's not get into that. Yeah. And let's rate this podcast a 15 because I've sworn a couple of times and I want you to be able to not have to edit it too much. <laughs> I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's th- it proves that things that are rated 15 are better than the shitty 12A things because I have to be honest, Wolverine as a 15, is it a 15? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Like or I, R-rated. I wish that they'd had the gall to do that with the other X-Men because I feel like that would have pushed it into a zone of like just being so much more entertaining like I like this one stood apart from all the other ones because it has that um, extra level of violence and and it and the story needed it and I feel like that's what's lacked with the other X-Men movies Um, so I think it was really good to finally see that come about. I think they tried to do that with the Wolverine one that's in Japan. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. sort of brought in more violence that way, but it still wasn't enough. Well, if you watch the Blu-ray cut, um, the the home version of it, it's much more violent. Is it? Yeah, they they released a slightly neutered version for in cinemas just so it could get a bigger Actually, audience. Oh, that really annoys me. I, if that that's not their vision, I don't know why that's the one that they push out, but. The studio, the studio dictates these things. Usually, it's not up to the director. Damn. Well, anyway, well for for them being able to go straight into the cinema with this one um, was a really good choice, and oh, just made for such good viewing. It's good. <laughs> yeah. So, Angus, did you like it? We've heard Natalie's spoiler <laughs> extensive review. 
You know, I'm not normally this positive about a movie. (laughs) (laughs) I I did like it. I think it grew on me because it. um, I thought the beginning was a bit slow, but then um, it builds and builds and gets pretty emotional towards the end. So I think. I think that's the right way around. I'd rather have it that way than, than you know, mm. dive yeah. straight into it, be engaged, and then feel myself kind of dropping off towards the end. <laughs> uh, so I think it went about it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you said before we went in and we watched it, because you'd already seen it, you said that there was a bit where you felt yourself, like, falling asleep or something. And I No, I said I was flagging, but that's because it was, like, after midnight, not because I wasn't <laughs> okay. enjoying it. So, well, you know, I... <laughs> Bearing that in mind, I remember, like, it crossed my my mind when I was sitting there, they watching it, and I was like, what the hell was Craig on about? Like, how did he flag? Like, I don't know, it, it held me the whole time, and, oh. It's yeah. to do with an early rise and a late finish. Yeah, that, no, I can imagine. Yeah, it's, um, imagine. you know, my healing factor had been compromised just as well. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I get that now. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> I also liked it. Um, can't really say much without spoiling, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Angus. About it. it's a bit of a slow burn to begin with, but I think by the time it gets to the end, the the slow burn feels earned, you know, mm-hmm. because it's it's all building towards something and it, and it establishes the mood of the world that they're in and things like that. So it's you know it it does earn its slow start. And I do yeah. think there's a bit in the middle that could have been tightened up slightly, but you know that's pretty minor. Very, yeah. very. But um, yeah, but I don't think it was. You know, I don't think it was perfect, as I've said. But it, there, so there's maybe a few kind of tweaks that they could have made, but um, it it builds and kind of reaches a, a satisfying conclusion of sorts. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm weeping. I think on that note, we should descend into. Or berserker rage and just go full spoilers. Shing shing. Okay. <laughs> that was the noise. It was very sort of gentle <laughs> rage. That's my gentle rage closet. Yeah. Um, I guess a good way to begin is the the story plus the character of Logan because the two going hand in hand is a personal story about Logan. So um, yeah, and obviously it's. It's an ending of sorts for the character. It's certainly an ending for the... I love how you've got us starting this bit as talking about the ending. Well, ending as in the ending of... The character. Yeah, or or this version of the character, at least. Mm. Um, I mean, was it a good one? You know, was it a good one? And was it a good way to to build up a kind of end of a legacy, so to speak? Because he is going to be handing over this, the keys to the kingdom in, in a lot of ways, because... Hugh Jackman was keeping the X-Men franchise going in its darkest days. It's basically like a long goodbye for him because he's obviously pretty broken down at the very start of the film. And so, you know, you know, he's not, he's not going to get any better or at least you kind of assume that. And so for the whole thing, it's like a kind of long, slow goodbye, um, bit of a swan song for him. Um, Yeah. I think that you, it's kind of bittersweet like that because you you can kind of feel yourself sort of letting go of the character throughout yeah. the whole film. <laughs> and, you know, he's he's tired. Like that that's the best way to describe him, certainly at the start of the film. He's just yeah. tired of being alive, he's tired of the struggle, he just wants to he 
you get the feeling he just wants to lay down and die, but he can't. You know, he's dying, but he's not going to die, which yeah. is kind of almost disappointing him in a lot of ways. I think that's where um, knowledge of the previous films kind of helps because it's basic because we've watched it all with him and we've been there along all these different adventures and the, seen the number of times he's had to kind of regenerate himself. And so you can, as a viewer, get the same sort of feeling of you can really sort of sympathize with why this character just wants to, you know, end it all really, just get, yeah. to, the, get to the finish line. Yeah, it's I mean, also set though, like in the future, so it's 2029. I didn't see the last X-Men movie, so I was really confused as to what was going on at the beginning. Um, and it took a wee while for me to be like, oh, like there are no more X-Men. And why is he so fucked up? But, you know, you get there and and there's like a line or something where it's like like you're trying to kill yourself or something because he's just drinking all the time and he's not healing and... Oh, I don't know. It's really sad. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting when you see him healing at the start after he gets shot. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in previous X-Men films, you see it's a pretty instantaneous process. You know, he's mm-hmm. obviously he's in pain, but, he, you know, he gets on with it. But there he's just kind of standing, waiting for it to happen, and it's clearly a struggle, and it's clearly really painful. So it's a nice contrast to how his powers are fading rather than just how powerful he was at one point. I think it's so sad though like and they highlight that during the movie because they bring out like the other Wolverine like the younger version of him and the and it's just I'm trying to think of of my words like my head is just (laughs) I'm heartbroken I'm honestly heartbroken I was so gutted at the end of the movie but so elated because it was amazing but (laughs) like there's just so much like there's a lot of really powerful imagery and stuff in it and really powerful yeah i think another like, metaphors like him doing battle with him like his younger self mm-hmm. and i think another um, aspect that's kind of important for the character is how he has always been a bit of an outcast but he always you know is shown as having a family amongst other outcasts, all the sort of misfit X-Men that he always ends up teaming up with. But then in this film, he really kind of connects with his father figure and also realizes about, you know, his legacy, his um, daughter. Don't know if it's really a sort of exact uh, connection, but you know, uh, his, basically his his daughter, the the, the as like a family unit when they're, you know, when they find, places to rest or people to help yeah they are acting as this family unit like they're pretending but even um charles xavier is saying like this is the just don't worry about anything enjoy the moment you've got this family that you wanted mm-hmm. you know embrace that and even though it's not real in in one sense it is real for that moment and he's trying to get them to recognize that 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 could be just as good yeah. as having the the real, real thing. Well, and he's had, he's kind of found family throughout his <laughs> adventures and throughout these films. But I think that this was especially sort of poignant the way that they went about it in this one. Yeah, I was having a discussion with someone earlier and they were saying that in the X-Men films, Wolverine never develops as a character. And when you think about it, it's actually true. He's this kind of the same in X-Men 1 as he is in this film. You know, he's this, he's this guy that wants to be left alone, but when he's pushed, he just, he does want to help people. 
but he yeah. doesn't want to want to help people. He just kind of wants people to get on with their own stuff and not involve them. But once he is involved, he's in it for the long haul. And I don't feel like pretty much what happens like here. That. I don't feel like that at all. I think I mean, um, when he first meets that woman, he's just like piss off, and then you know he <laughs> yeah, but and then she what? she appears later, and he's still like piss off, and then That's she's about to give him money, and he's like, well, I'll take the money, and then suddenly he's invested. You know, he has to. Yeah, but she is a signifier of of everything he's trying to avoid, like because he knows that there's like other people who are after him through her and that, you know, that could get him caught up. And it's really because he's not concerned about himself, though. He's concerned about the fact that he's primarily responsible for Charles Xavier's, like, health and looking after the weird um, the weird character Stephen Merton's playing. He's not concerned with himself. And we see that because he's so self-destructive with his drinking and and getting into like weird fights that he can barely recover from, but he's motivated as well to be protecting Xavier. So he's like the he's such a confused character. I think that's why he's a successful character as well. Is almost yeah. that he resets every time, and people kind of know what they're going to get. But they also, you know, if you open up a comic book and. Wolverine's there you kind of expect him to be a certain way or if you see an episode of a cartoon you expect him to be a certain way and it's it's the same in the films. You can't he, say that he's the he same all, person he, because yeah, but he's, he can't he's be because if he, he was... Always, he kind of is the outsider wants to be left alone and as Craig said always ends up kind of helping people but then kind of resets again in every episode. But no because it's not like <laughs> it's not like it's not like that though because we know from watching the movie that his his motive is to protect Charles Xavier and raise money to go get a boat so they can go live on, out on the sea. Yeah, Just but that's the someone that he's built a relationship with. You, mm-hmm. If he was a sort of prototypical superhero, the the woman that asks him for help at the very beginning, uh, he would, you know, out of a sense of um, honour or justice or whatever, he would, you know, he'd think, I've, I'm a superhero in a costume-wearing vigilante. Of course, I'll drop everything and help you. But instead, he forges on with his mission to kind of save his mentor. Yeah, I'm not denying that though. I'm just saying that Craig's saying that he is this same character without any development. I'm like, well, no, because actually he's caring for an old man with like Alzheimer's or something and and he's, he's worried about him and he's worried about them getting found or him getting taken away from him or losing him. That's like his main concern. He didn't like Charles Xavier at the beginning of the first X-Men film, and then he liked him by the end of it. And that's that's just the situation he's currently in as well. I mean, if you just if you look at X-Men 1 through 3, and then The Wolverine, which is the, the only film that's set after that at the moment. Um, so you've got, through X-Men 1, 2, and 3, he kind of gets used to the idea of being part of this team and being part of this family. And then he's forced to kill Jean Grey, which then force, causes him to go out on his own again because he feels like he attracts trouble and would rather be away from it all. So, you know, and, and it's quite common in the comics as well. He would go out on his own for a bit and then he would find himself stuck in a situation that he never asked for and he gets used to it and then it ends tragically and he goes off on his own again and repeat, repeat, repeat. You know, it's, yeah. it's interesting because he's such a loner, but he's been on more teams than anyone else in Marvel Comics. <laughs> you know, so um, 
But I suppose that's just the nature of, of sort of episodical or comic book um, storytelling, isn't it? That you've always kind of got to go back to the the, the sort of the starting point. Yeah, yeah. Wolverine always has to be a certain way, you know. If he settles down with a wife and kids, then <laughs> that's that's just not him. But yeah. Um, and I think this film, he's just yeah, he's he's keen to protect his own little bubble and nothing else. So he doesn't want to be involved in anything else, which is really consistent with how the character is portrayed. So his bubble is himself, Caliban, and Xavier. Nothing Mm. else. That's why he's not interested in looking after some little girl that he doesn't know because that becomes his problem and he doesn't want to. Has Caliban been in any other movies? Sort of. Well, what do you mean sort of? There is a non-mutant called Caliban in X-Men Apocalypse who is good at finding mutants. Is that the last one that we watched? No, that's the one that we didn't see because that came out last year. Is that right? Yes, it's rubbish. Right. Oh, I didn't see it. Yeah, but uh, he's he's in that, but he's not a mutant, and he's just some guy that's really resourceful. Does he um, look like himself, or is he like all? Weird no, he's, like he's, he's bald, but that's it. Right. So he doesn't look like what he does in this one. That's pretty. Oh, this I is suppose a, it's like his time's passed, isn't pretty it? Pretty hideous like, for, from your point of view. Twelve years. No, I just mean like <laughs> well, he's got like some sort of weird condition. <laughs> well, that's but just to... his mutancy. You know, he he looks like that because that's how he he looks. There's, you know, that's just genetically how he looks. Right. That's it. I am. Um, so, is it Stephen Merchant in the other movie as well? No, I forget the actor's name, but it's not him. Because I found it really odd that I don't know, like when I saw that character appear, like the tone of the movie when you start watching it is quite serious, and then I, and <sighs> this isn't because of his acting, because I really like him, but. Obviously, I associate him as being some sort of comic relief to an extent. And so when he appears, and I think they do try and use him a little bit like that at the beginning. Um, but it really threw me off the movie a little bit. Like, I found it really odd. And it took a it took a lot of the movie for me to be okay with him being in it. I found him a really odd choice. I suppose he does have a few sort of comic lines, you know, kind of. He has a few jokes, but he's not a funny character. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I think, but I think um, he sort of commands that. Like, not well, not even commands. It's just what I associate with him you're, now, I think. You're kind and, of programmed to expect him to be a funny character. But the thing is, and then, but then they do give him the, like quite a few opportunities for. I definitely giggled at something. <laughs> Or maybe I sneered at it. I don't remember. Well, there's that line about... uh, He's like, that was my favourite mug or something. And you're like, oh, 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 oh. But then I was like... There's a line where he says to Logan about shooting himself, I just mopped these floors. Yeah. You know, well, it's not that funny because they're (laughs) making light of suicide. But, you know, I guess it's a more comedic line than most. I was trying to... um, I think if it had been another person who was an actor not normally known for their comedy I think I would have found that funnier or um, like you know black humour type stuff but I don't know I don't know it didn't sit with me right like for a lot of the movie but I have to be honest I did change my mind about him when we got nearer his end When I heard that Stephen Merchant was going to be in it I automatically assumed he was going to be um, comic relief comedy sidekick and I was, you know, I was, I wasn't looking forward to having to deal with that. But 
I was pleasantly surprised, and it seems like the guy has range that I didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't know it existed. I think, was, um, yeah, I, was, I think that's why I feel bad because I didn't know he was going to be in it, and so mm-hmm. I didn't have that sort of like aim. I don't know. I just didn't think about it, and then when I saw him, I was a bit like, "Oh, what?" Like I really like him, but I just it took me out of the movie a little mm-hmm. bit. It's maybe because of your baggage that you bring by knowing the actor rather yeah. than anything else. Yeah. But they, I was actually trying to figure out why that character was used specifically. I mean, ultimately he proves to be, you know, an enabler for the villains to find out where they've been because he has that tracking ability. But yeah. before that point, it could have essentially been anyone. What do you mean, like any character at all? It's yeah, because there's there, nothing... There of Charles. Mm. Yeah. Oh, you there's mean so, like they've chosen him particularly because he lends himself to the story of being useful? Yeah, he, he gets to. Yeah, he's useful in the letting the villains find out where yeah. they are without too much explanation. But yeah. before that point, he's just some guy that hangs around with Logan and Charles. Um, yeah, who, you know, I, helps I've never them out. seen him before. I had no idea like where he came from, and like it must just be because I didn't see the last movie. But like, I've never heard of him and or seen him, so I had no idea who this person was who was so so like so closely associated with two of the main characters. Yeah, and ultimately is probably one of the smaller roles, but you know he does enough to to facilitate what goes on. Like he helps the villains find them, or he stalls the villains from finding them more mm. more accurately. Yeah. And he's just kind of there as an extra person to tell Logan about how screwed up he is. I think his presence there is just part of what you have to accept about Charles living in a downed water tower and Wolverine kind of crossing the border to keep bringing him drugs. You know, you're just yeah. introduced to this particular uh, storyline, timeline, and you just kind of have to accept that it's the two of them out there in the desert. Yeah. yeah. And I think the desert was an interesting choice as a setting because, well, obviously I suppose it's a bit cheaper in terms of filming, but it automatically brings you into this, even though it's the society isn't decimated, it does feel a bit desolate, you know, because yeah. he's it's only ever in small it. towns, and yeah. or, or at least in the beginning, he's only in area low populated areas and it's really dusty and it looks uncomfortable and and it really adds into this whole almost apocalyptic yeah. feel when it's not I apocalyptic at all yeah it definitely that, felt that plus the road trip aspect give it a kind of mad max fury road sort of um yeah. bent to it i think mm. yeah yeah so it's, it's a, a lot yeah. of like helping people in like really old-fashioned ways like with horses that have escaped onto a road that's got weird what was the vehicles that were there are they just like self-driven vehicles automatic trucks yeah with with their really ham-fisted line i hate auto trucks yeah i know so that's what they are i think we could have done without that (laughs) it was pretty obvious what was going on but yeah but it's weird because it is kind of like apocalyptic because you've got people who are trying to transport horses who need help and then they help them and and it's like this weird basic human connection thing i oh i don't know felt well i mean for logan it is an apocalypse you know his kind are mostly dead you know he's one of the last of his kind so you know humans are thriving fair enough and you can probably imagine there are still giant cities around the world you know you see a, a hint of that but for logan there's nothing left his people aren't alive anymore he's you know the He's losing yeah. everything that, that defined his him. Heart, so. His heart is the desert. He's being pushed to the fringes of society. <laughs> yeah. His heart is the desert. 
But then he was always part of the fringe. I don't yes. think he would. That doesn't, doesn't mean he has a comedy show in Edinburgh in August. <laughs> um, An hour with Wolverine. <laughs> but, um, for what what are we on? Because all I can think about is how sad I am. <laughs> I'm not over this. But yeah, I like, I like how the the characters explored throughout the film. You know, he's again stuck in a, a messy situation, and he's he, he's always tired. But he, he kind of fights on because he doesn't know how to do anything else, mm-hmm. and he's invested in protecting Charles. Really, if when Laura turns up, she, she's only being protected by him because she won't go away at first. You know, everything's about protecting Charles. There's even the bit where um where that that poor family are killed. Yeah. Um, when Laura's been carried off, and he goes right yeah. for Charles first, yeah, you know that shows yeah. where his loyalties are. Yeah, but that's because he probably knows though that the girl is capable. I think he. Not he at that seen... point, she wasn't. She was like, no. <laughs> no. When the when the family when the family are killed. Yeah, but he also doesn't go immediately to help any of the family members. He kind of steps over people and goes for Charles immediately. You had to tell him that it wasn't him. Well, no, but he, I think it's because he's come so, he's come so far and done so much to, to try yeah, and but, get to this point. Yeah, but he goes, like, so, right, so Xavier has been stabbed by the younger Wolverine. X-24, for, some, for reference. For some reason, we don't call his brother or his son, despite Laura being known as his daughter, which is really confusing. So the younger Wolverine guy stabs him. Charles. Start Charles goes away, slaughters this innocent family, and then is outside with Laura. And the first thing he does is go and says to Charles, like, that wasn't me, because he's so scared that he would have a bad impression of him. And that would be like his dying thought. Like Yeah, that was pretty yeah. sad. Oh, oh. Yeah, and I mean, the whole the whole Charles thing is so sad. Like, oh, it's such a comment on so many things that's bigger than X Men. Which I I just thought maybe that I think that's why I loved it so much. Actually, is just that it is dealing with so many issues that are so relevant. Actually, so even though it's this superhero movie with mutants and it's set in the future and it's this weird apocalyptic setting. It actually has like so much in it that is so relevant to the state of affairs that I think America is in actually, and and a lot a lot of the world like free healthcare for one. Like, do you know what I mean why why is Wolverine having to go and bribe drugs from a doctor to try and help Xavier who? has like dementia like it's just really sad there's like there's no health care in place for helping old people and there's nothing in place for obviously he's like an x-men but there's nothing in place for like for any of that and it's like watching him break down and having like his headaches which wipes out everyone's abilities to fucking stand up and shit <laughs> but like I don't know it's just so tragic and it was a pretty sad end for him after yeah, seeing well, him being yeah. so idealistic and kind of thinking that 
uh, you know, there's good in humanity and in mutants and always yeah. thinking that people can live together and all the things he's been through to sort of end up um, bedridden in his wheelchair, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. refusing to take his medicine and having to live in a water tank and look after like some plants with like false sunlight and and on his own, like yeah, he's just lonely. on his own. Like he's a lonely, lonely old man with health issues that's locked inside fucking water tower. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so brutally sad. And but the whole um, oh. him not being in hospital thing is also explained in the film. He was essentially classified as like most wanted. Yeah, yeah, like a, of, what, a yeah. weapon of mass destruction. Yeah, no, no, but I just so he couldn't be near people, you know, because yeah. they would. He would be yeah. found out, and there's too yeah. much risk involved with that. I get so, that for the character. Yeah. What I mean is that I do think that it's like a comment on larger social issues that particularly surround America. There's no, I mean, you could say that Xavier at one point was maybe like a war hero because he's like stopped bad people and stuff like that, and now he's got issues and stuff. No one's there to help him. There's no support system in place for supporting him when when he needs it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that yeah. that... Well, I mean, it, yeah, it's pretty tragic because he, you know, he ran the school. Um, he was helping mutants, you know, that were starting to thrive. He was championing agenda. You know, he was... Things were things were good at one point and, and he was doing good. And then suddenly it just all flips to the point where he's... He loses everything. In fact, he he destroys everything that, that he built. You know, because yep. it's 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 not quite mentioned, but it's almost mentioned that his one of his seizures caused the death of several of the X Men. So you know, he yeah. destroyed the thing he built, which is you know Shakespearean and it's tragic yeah. tragedy. You know, so it's yeah. um yeah, it's a really harrowing end, and I find it interesting to to see a character that you know when people look to for answers in earlier films, he's the guy that knows the answers. You know, he's kind of not always right, but you know, you can probably count on him to be you know, the moral person in a conversation. And now he's just a, a crazy rambling old man who's yeah. um, who's cutting about in a water tower just not not knowing who his friends are and, and things like that. And but there's also shades of the, the lucidity of the, the original version of the character in there as well. You know, there's mm-hmm. points where oh, he wakes definitely. up. Definitely. Which is again quite real for I guess Alzheimer's sufferers because they do have their moments, you know, where, where they're their old cells again and, and you see the, the old Xavier now and again. And and it's funny because I think he's actually quite lucid a lot of the time. There's the time where Wolverine thinks he's making crap up about talking to a little girl, but then she appears and he's already been communicating with her and they share quite a few like on-screen moments where we know that they're talking to each other, yeah. but nothing said, and it's and it's nice. And I think it's interesting mm. that he's still kind of teaching Logan lessons even to the very end. You know, um, Logan was always kind of a resistant student, but then you know, as it as he goes gets on, and he he kind of sees Charles breaking down and stuff, but he's still kind of uh, I think he's still learning from him. Yeah, he still yeah. he, he does. Well, I mean, Charles still has hope, and, and Laura represents that hope, you know. But they, 
he's sitting there saying, look, this is a mutant. We haven't had this in a while. Look, things can get better. You can get better. And Logan's like, no, no, let's just get out of here. And and it, that back and forth happens quite a lot. But Xavier is still trying to tell him to be, you know, to be better. You know, yeah, not to succumb to yeah. these, these, these animalistic urges he, keep, you know, he's, he constantly yeah. has. But um, he's also teaching him to, like I said at the beginning, though, like, really embrace the moments that he does have and not yeah. to think about what he doesn't have and that, you know, that whole family thing that he ends up developing with Xavier and Laura. You know, yeah. it's not that that's not real because there's a part of it where you're like, they're pretending to be like a family sat at a dinner table and yeah. and it's a lovely moment for them all and it's quite it's quite funny because she doesn't know how to use cutlery and stuff and um, it's just quite almost like a wee bit animalistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it's and that cute. and that so that whole that whole section of the film it kind of proves both Xavier and uh, Logan right because Charles wants to you know settle down, have a bit of a moment you know with um mm-hmm. with with a nice family. They just want to be behave like people for once. Yeah, and then but Wolverine's fears come true and he attracts trouble, which gets his mm-hmm. family killed. Which wouldn't have happened had they had they not stayed. So yes. you know they're both right in that situation. Logan does attract trouble, but does that mean he doesn't deserve to behave like a human being now and again? So yeah. you know it's that it's that conflict. You know, as in that this is what happens when I slow hard. down. Yeah, honestly, that when that happened, like see when see when it cuts to that scene where um, Charles has been stabbed. And it's by this younger Wolverine, and you think, "Oh my God, is he having like a nightmare? Is this like some sort of really mental dream?" And then it's like the kid, like the son of the family, that gets like totally slashed. And then you're like, "Holy shit! No, that's like a totally other Wolverine." <laughs> and then that's like a total like head mess. But that honestly, like, was really upsetting because you want everything to work out for him like so badly yeah. you want everything to go just right for once and and you I yeah I really yeah. wanted Xavier to be right about him it, having that moment I think it speaks to just how much as a viewer that whole sequence kind of meant to you to see um especially Charles and Logan who'd been on the run and Laura as well because she'd kind of escaped from this um this life that or you know that she'd been that was all mm-hmm. she'd known and they were getting to experience a bit of normalcy and a bit of um you know family life and and to see the innocence in that scene getting kind of cut down by uh 24 is it's just you know it's you, brutal. yeah you're so used to seeing kind of mass destruction and things in superhero movies and obviously plenty of innocent people get injured and hurt and killed and things but yeah. in, in this one it was really affecting because yeah. they're you know, these are actually people that you know were showing the X Men kind of, and you know, a, a, civility, yeah, and a, a normal, if you want to use that word, way of mm-hmm. life, and just accepted them into their home, and then were just brutally kind of cut down. Yeah, because you really get to see those characters, and there's really nice moments with them, and it was so brutal just doing that because I think. Yeah, in any other movie or X Men, it's normally if anyone's dying, it's it's an X Men or you know, bad men. So <laughs> there's not, it's not really. They don't really tend to have. They don't dwell on the character innocence. character development or um, 
and it's usually Dark people kind of, level of getting entry. crushed in buildings that are falling down and things, yeah. or you know, you don't see, you don't see the sort of human face <clears> of the yeah, yeah, that's it, the human face of, of them, it. yeah. But well, um, there was a similar sort of moment in um, the X Men Origin Origins Wolverine film. It's just after he gets his adamantium infusion. He kind of takes refuge in this farmhouse oh, yeah. with this yeah. with this elder couple, and essentially the same thing happens. You know, he's oh, found by the people looking that. for him, and and they kill those those old people, and yeah. well, they're old. Attracting trouble. They're not a young family. They're old. They're, they're still completely innocent, though. You know, I know it's easier to deal with when they're old, like than this young family with a child. Like, oh my god. <laughs> no, I think I, I I still think that this sort of. Um, comparison, the sort of the six of them sitting around the dinner table beforehand, really like lays it on thick when it when you see the family getting slaughtered. Yeah, yeah. By somebody that they and and the fact that they die thinking that they've been betrayed by them. Yeah, is so sad because they they think like the dad doesn't die and he comes out and then. Um, shoots X-24 but then turns on on um, Hugh Jackman and goes They're to both shoot Hugh Jackman. Do I know but I mean the real one. Huge the Jackman. real one. Huge, huge <laughs> he goes to shoot him but he's out of like bullets and then collapses but he thinks like they've gone from having this bond and he thinks that he was betrayed and that he's in on it because they look the same and 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 it's just so sad that you know his Wolverine's worries were that Charles would die thinking it was him mm. and yet because he cares what people think about him he does and, and he doesn't get to clear his name to this family who think that he has something to do with with what happened to them and, and it's a kind of uh, the whole X-Men story kind of summed up mm. in that one relationship where yeah. they always try and do good but then people see the destruction that they've yeah, been part totally of. Or as long as they pretend to be human, they're accepted. But as soon as the yeah. truth comes out, you know, but um, but there's also the, I think there's a, 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 at least I get the sense that the, the father understood what was going on. I don't think but he also, did. But also blamed, up. also blamed, well, he, he understood that this younger Logan wasn't the same Logan, right? But um, I, I think, I, but I think he resents him for bringing this on because clearly there's a connection and clearly the, that connection was brought by these them taking these people into their lives. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could see how the resentment would come. And I quite like how it wasn't the, I realised this wasn't you. I like how he, he was going to shoot him, but ran out of bullets. Yeah, but that's the, so he tried to shoot him. It's not yeah. like he realises, oh, you're not that person, so I'm not going to shoot you and I'll die now. It's a, oh, there's two of you, I'll shoot both of you. Yeah. He doesn't understand, he understands, but doesn't forgive. I think that's... I, right, well, when I was watching, I didn't interpret it that way. He was also at the point of death, so yeah, yeah. I didn't interpret it that <laughs> way. He, can be he looked betrayed, though. Like, thinking. the guy's face, the guy yeah. when he falls to the ground, he looks so betrayed because he he doesn't understand. I don't think he understands at all what's happened, and I think that that is what makes that scene so sad. Is that well, like Wolverine's able to tell Charles, "This wasn't me, somebody else," but he doesn't get that opportunity with. That that kind of goes to my point about the sort of wider X-Men franchise Mm. and how they're always trying to help people. And then when things go wrong, the people they're trying to help turn on them. And even though, you know, they have been helped, they still, 
they still turn on the X-Men and they always end up turning on them because no matter how much they try and help them, they're always no seen as different or outsiders or, you know, what have you. And also, um, I, I like the idea of X-24 as well because um, Wolverine has spent a long time trying to sort of suppress his more animal side. You know, he's he's trying to be a, a, a functional human being in a lot of ways. But then what you've got is people only appreciate him or a lot of people only appreciate him for his for what he can do and what he's capable of. So in, in the kind of X-24 is the, the physical embodiment of that. In effect, like he's the, well, it, I suppose. I don't think it's actually conscious, but uh, he is, it, it's an animal. You know, it is yeah, the animal side of, of Logan. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it lets him confront his animal side. And it's interesting how his animal side it just wins. You know, um, the the man has doesn't stand a chance because he's just not strong enough. Because he cares. Well, yeah, there's there's certain things holding him back. Yeah, you, yeah. um, I, I thought it was really interesting, but it did confuse me a little bit during the movie. That so I was really right when I saw the first trailer for Logan, and you see a little girl like hold his hand, and you're like, holy shit! And then the whole time they're like, oh, who does she look like? Who does she look like? And they totally try and make it that. His lover had a baby, but she, but that's not how Laura came into being. Like she was created, and they try the whole time to like totally like mislead you. Even Jean yeah, Grey sort of because, thing. do you know how she's in the car and she's playing with the lock on the door, and then he's like, "Stop it!" and she's she keeps on doing it, and you think like they totally make you think she's doing it with her mind and that she's moving the lock up and down with her mind and then you see it when it cuts again like back to him and back to her and it's just her hand over the switch moving the lock on the door up and down with her fingers and you're like fucking they had me like they totally <laughs> make you think that she was using mind powers um and then they That's... all and they, they totally try and make you think that she is of them both but she's not. She's been created. And I don't understand how they can call her um, his daughter and play on his heartstrings like that. And then X-24 is no relation. <laughs> if they're created of all the same genetic material and everything, he fucking looks the exact same as him. Well, Why I is he not that, um, his brother? Well, Laura was Laura was born. Like They, they talk about how the, the kids were grown in the bellies of Mexican oh, women or whatever. Yeah, but right. X-24 was grown in a lab. You know, you see him in the vat and stuff like that. Um, so because she was born from a person. She's a test tube baby, essentially. She's the well, product of Logan Plus. Plus yeah, some Mexican women. Animalistic, <laughs> animalistic X-24. How is that lesser a creation? I think it depends how you look at it as well. I mean, X-24 clearly has no has no humanity about it at all. So it's yeah. just a it's just a weapon, you know, that's being used. But Laura definitely has a personality. Yeah. You, know, you see that early on. And and what it does is it shows you this long video of them. Look at these kids. They're actually kids, but they're treated like property. Yeah. And then yeah. at the end it's like, but they're building something else. You know, and mm-hmm. when that something else is obviously X twenty four. But before that it establishes the humanity of all these children to yeah. give them to give them to make them worth saving. What do you think about what do you think about the the way that they portray Laura at the beginning when they try and make it look like she is of Jean Grey and um, Wolverine? 
Well, I never, I never got that impression because I know who the character is in the comics. So I always knew that as soon as they announced that Daphne Keane, some newcomer to acting, will be playing Laura Kinney, a.k.a. X-23, I knew exactly, or I, I could okay. guess what story they were going to tell. But you obviously don't have that connection. You don't know I who she is. I didn't have that at all. Yeah. And, and then, <laughs> I don't know, I feel like I've totally like read scenes, but I feel like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the only person who's read the scenes like that, though. I feel no, like if you didn't know who X-23 is, then, yeah. purposeful to have done that. And I don't get why um, Xavier pushes for Hugh Jackman to... I keep on jumping between, sorry, actors <laughs> and character names. I keep on doing it. They've got too many names. Um, he jumps between, like, really forcing him to consider, like, oh, but who does... Who does she remind you of? I don't think he's saying, oh, it's yourself. He's totally pushing for her to be a reminder of um, Jean Grey. And is it just to build that fast emotional connection to her so that he protects her and gets her to this um, Eden place, you know? Or why Why do they do that? Why do well, they that, keep pushing That line it? comes after you see her, you know, gut people with claws. So, yeah. you know, the, the reminder is pretty clear. Yeah. Which is badass. Yeah, and um, I quite liked how Laura was done in this film. I actually think she was better before she talked. Yeah, I actually felt she was like kind that of too. shrill and annoying when she when she spoke. But before mm-hmm. that, I think the actress did a really good job of conveying exactly what she needed to convey without saying a word. Her eyes are incredible. She yeah, has... she's very expressive. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I see that scene where she's sitting eating her cereal, mm. and uh, and the guys come in, and she's just sort of not moving, but she has definitely acknowledged that they're there. Oh, she was great. I think she um she captured I think the captured me. The violence as well was obviously pretty hardcore, but then seeing a young girl just tearing through this sort of elite unit as well and her made cute it yeah, made it even more oh, sort of hardcore to see her was, I, And they didn't they didn't shy away from like beating her up either as well. Yeah. You know? And so many headshots. Jeez. Yeah. Like, and and they had that so um they had that brief moment where she was using her claws to cut herself as well. Yeah. You know, to obviously yeah. test her healing ability, but then yeah, that's very kind of that's a very kind of expressive childlike thing, isn't it? Yeah, testing yourself to see yeah. what you can do. Um I fucking loved the violence <laughs> and and I feel really confused I feel bad saying that, but it needed it. And see the scenes where Wolverine and Laura are fighting all the bad guys. They were amazing. I enjoyed watching that so much. And it was honestly so cute that there were audible gasps. I just thought it was... (laughs) Most adorable thing ever. <laughs> adorable. Wow. Adorable. Most adorable. It was. Honestly, if you looked at me, I had like my hands up to like my chest and my face and I was like, oh my God. It was so cute. Such sweet slaughter. It well, was. The, the, best, um, the best Wolverine scene before this one was in X2, you know, when he, when he goes berserk and runs through the mansion just cutting people. Uh, yeah. But even then there's a PG-13-ness about that as well. Because there's, you know, you don't really see any blood, and you see you see claws go into people, but you know, a lot of it's left oh, up to the imagination. But it's interesting. Bloody and great. Yeah, <laughs> but it's interesting how in the X Men films before this one, even his solo films, he's, you know, Wolverine has somehow censored his speech 
even though the character would never do that. You know, he's, yeah. this is a character that just, you know, every second line is a swear word. Mm. And, um, and even Charles gets to swear in this as well. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's something quite jarring about hearing Captain Picard swear. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was um, great. As for, as for Wolverine and the swearing thing, they've definitely embraced it more and more in the last couple of movies. And I think it's gone that way of you yeah, having that more gritty character. Yeah, I mean, he, and it the, definitely works. He's a character that wouldn't speak like he does in the X-Men films because that's just not who he is. But he has to because he's, you know... Because he's in a PG thirteen film, it's like when uh, it's like in Last Action Hero when the kid shows Arnie a word written on a piece of paper and says, "Say that," and he just doesn't, he refuses to say it <laughs> because it's not an R rated film, you know, that he's sucked into. <laughs> I love that. It's yeah, awesome. that's like I suppose. Yeah, you're right. Wolverine just kind of gets away with being as, as much of a smartass as he can be. Yeah, uh, he, with he stops just thing. short of being really like foul with his language. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um. I thought it was interesting that Laura was like was spoke me- uh, oh, spoke Spanish, but understood like like English. Like, where did she have the? Where yeah, did she learn of, all of that? There's a bit of sort the, of crossover where she would she would speak speaking Spanish, understanding the English, and then speaking English but yeah. with the accent. And I was like, who did, who taught you? I think you just have to accept English? that. By the well, end of I, wonder, I, I did, was thinking about this, good. and I wonder if it was Xavier that, that taught her how to speak English. What, five seconds? Well, he's a, he's a telepath. Yeah. He could, in theory, part, impart a lot of information very quickly. Huh. Perhaps. Yeah. I'll it. take that because it means I don't think about it. <laughs> that's that's my uh, we, we nerds. <laughs> in the fifth element, when she's like learning English, yeah. she's like See, we we nerds call it head cannon. You know, when you come up with your own explanation for why something happened. <laughs> so I think <laughs> I think Xavier teaches um, I like teaches Laura how to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll totally go with that because you know if that if that's what the characters can do, then I'm sure that's what they've done. It's the point she starts speaking, I find quite interesting, because she refrains from doing so up until that point. And is, well, it, maybe, yeah, is it maybe because she's sort of processing her humanity? and then cause she she's, but she's very feral before that point. Yeah, she is. And that feral is a great word, actually, because... Word of the day. Yeah, but for, for her character, absolutely. And you can see it in her face and in her eyes and in the way that she guards her bag and yeah. the way that she like, you know, it's her, her property. She doesn't want anyone touching it. It's the only thing she's got and she guards it. And she's so, you know, she's really uptight about that. And Oh, great word. I forgot. I also, I also like that she takes in the world like she's seeing it for the first time. You know, she's very curious about everything and she, you know, she doesn't understand that stealing is wrong and because she hasn't had those lessons taught to her because, mm-hmm. you know, she was just a, she was raised as a weapon to begin with. But I think oh, that, that scene when she's like going around with the Pringles and stuff, and mm-hmm. she gets her shades. But yeah. Wolverine comes in when she's like, um, when she like pulls her claws on that guy who's working there, and he comes in and he's like, "No, you don't do that in public." Yeah. And takes out the shop. It was so funny. It was so cute and um, lovely wee life lesson. She, I thought she oh. was pretty restrained because she was. Uh, you know, she she seemed to pay attention to her daddy quite a lot, even though she could have just like kicked off and yeah, had to be <laughs> so, I mean, Wolverine does have to smack her around a few times. You know? 
I just got a message from my friend Catherine and she just said, yup, I was not ready for that because <laughs> she just went to see it tonight and I thought she was going to see it yesterday and I got to work thinking I'm going to get to talk about this with someone because she's insanely, she loves X-Men and I thought, right, I'm definitely going to get to have some chat with her about this and, um, and I can't wait until I'm working with her again so we can... Uh, talk about everything we've already talked about but i just need to keep on talking about it well it's Catherine, just... if you're listening i hope you enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> she's not listening she's not, probably not <laughs> <laughs> oh, you well you can you, you can advertise oh there's a personal um, there's a shout out for you no yes. but seriously i i said to her like it's it's fucking brilliant but <laughs> It's also, like, can I just say why I think it's brilliant? I know we've not gone through a lot of our stuff yet, but, like, I felt like, because, right, Logan dies, right, for people who didn't know that. Double spoiler alert. Wolverine <laughs> is dead. Xavier is dead. Niedermeyer, <laughs> dead. <laughs> <laughs> Only person who's lives. Is Laura and her little pals who can breathe frost and shit. So, anyway, <laughs> Wolverine <laughs> dies, right? Wolverine dies. She cries, calls him daddy. No. Um, that is gutting. But I, mean, I think it's a film she saw like a day ago. You know, the most gutting mm-hmm. thing yeah. is that it's like the death of childhood. See that kid, that kid in the when they have that funeral for him, and he's clutching his Wolverine toy. This is a kid who's just come out of a facility that was going to murder them all because they're weapons who have feelings. Has a fucking old school Wolverine action figure clutched at Wolverine's funeral. That is sad. It's so sad. And I just feel like watching it and seeing young Hugh Jackman like computerized Wolverine X24 battling against him who's raggedy ass totally <laughs> fucked up body and stuff is totally a comment on like this whole passage of time and I don't know I felt so sad like not just for the movie but for myself because I'm like I'm fucking <laughs> old like <laughs> first one I remember when Wolverine was that young <laughs> the first one came out in 2000 uh, like it's 17 years and it's- I I came home and I think it was like the next day. So what was that? Tuesday? Yesterday? There was like somebody had shared a montage and it's like this montage set to Johnny Cash's version of Hurt, which closes, I think, the movie actually at the end credits. The man comes around. It's not. Is it? Is it that one? It was on the trailer. Oh, it's on the trailer. Right. Well, there's a montage and it's basically like the start of Wolverine and the end of Wolverine and it's like the whole of the 17 years and this tremendous wave of nostalgia just like overtook me and and transported me back to so many different places in my life where I'd remember these movies coming out what I was doing like where who was hanging out with and to the end and it's actually like so sad because I'm like like he's been with us he's been with us the whole way and it's like, oh, I, I can't use my words. I, it's like, I'm trying to say something here that makes sense, that conveys 
just how emotional I felt watching this montage. We're going to have to get a link for it so people can watch it. Shout out to Charles Xavier, who was also oh buried in God, this film. Oh, God, also buried. <laughs> in his own very like sad a, funeral scene. In the scene. forest, by the water. By the At water. least he has water. Yeah, He's and then got water. water. <gasps> go batter my oh, truck. Yeah, but he was old. Like, oh. And, yeah, like, and I like I quite like the frustration that he couldn't even do meaningful damage to the truck as well. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> this is a guy that could tear someone apart in three seconds, and now he just can't even break a truck. Just, you know, I just I just thought like we've had this journey with with Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, and I remember because I watched the Grim Norton where they were on it, and he talks about how somebody will replace him and stuff like this but he hopes it's like in a few years or something and I was like I don't want anyone to replace him I don't want anyone at all they fucking keep on recasting Spider-Man leave it I don't want to see anyone else come in and and take over this role because it had the perfect ending and I don't think we need to bring that back like we've had this journey it was incredible sometimes actually only at the end but I think the send-off for Wolverine, and to a lesser extent, my man Charles Xavier, uh, <laughs> kind of takes over a lot of a lot of the film, and so it kind of, it, it, as evidenced by the fact that we haven't really even spoken about the bad guy, like the main bad guy, or no much one gives of the, a shit about them. Much of the rest <laughs> of the plot. I mean, I love Richard E. Grant, but yeah, exactly. Come on, E. Grant, and well, yet, <laughs> and yet we just, I mean it. You're, you're kind of completely consumed, not I you. I am. I am, though. I am consumed by the fact <laughs> that you and the hypothetical over... you are also like it's all about the end of this icon. Well, on the Richard E. Grant character, I really like the bit, the bit at the end where he's like, "Well, first I'm going to tell you my horrific plan," and then Logan <laughs> just shoots him when he's halfway through explaining <laughs> it. You know, so it's kind of like he's all the yeah. So I wiped out all the mutants, and I'm going to design my own mutants, and I'm going to figure out how to perfect humanity. And it's just bang, he doesn't even get to finish. You know, it's um, it's just yeah. This film isn't about these kind of big plans. It's about uh, it's about Logan having one last hurrah, and yep. and and all these villains do is enable that. So what you've got is I quite I quite liked Boyd Holbrook's character. I thought he was good, but he did a lot of he did he did a lot of good with a very thinly written character. Yeah. Is he the guy with the robot hand? Yeah. I He's spent kind of hot. I spent the whole film thinking, where have I seen him before? And, <laughs> and it was only until today when I was looking through his IMDb and I was like, no, not that, not that. Oh, Narcos! I loved him in Narcos, <laughs> and I love Narcos. And it, uh, he was really good in Narcos. He was almost, I mean, he was recognisable enough that I could tell I'd seen him before. But yeah. I've, I've, watched two whole, I've watched two whole seasons of Narcos and I still didn't twig that it was him until I looked at the in True Blood as well, or am I making that up? I think that was someone else. Right. Have I seen him in anything? I've never seen I him. <laughs> yeah. I liked him. I, I well, liked he, him. He was fine, but, you know, the, the character was, was pretty one note. I just think he had Basically. enough charisma to... Yeah. To make yeah. it, to hide that, and obviously it wasn't about him. He's just someone to yeah. talk to Logan about things at one point, and yeah. you know his his ending is a bit. I mean, he, he's killed by all the the kids, and and I quite like that because he's kind of. He I was, was wondering there. why they didn't do that sooner. How have yeah. they got all of these powers, and they're only now just fucking using it on that guy? Did did they not think of using their powers before? Did somebody tell them not to? Well, Since when do kids listen to fucking adults anyway? I think they must have had some way of suppressing them in, in the facility. Well, they had them all in those like weird metal things and stuff. Yeah. But 
how does that stop somebody from making your head frozen and then punching it to break it into a bajillion pieces, like in the Terminator? Well, whatever. Doesn't. It was a good end that he got, like, almost every single one of their different powers done on him just to, yeah. Like, yeah. so he could die. Yeah, and obviously X-24 was just a, was a, was a statement of uh, Logan's animal side. So in terms of villains, this film doesn't have the best villains, but... I don't think really he was just the animalistic side. I think he was also portraying um, the youth and the passage of time. Even though he's been made and he's essentially a robot, I think he's more than just the animalistic side of Wolverine, actually. I think he Yeah, but think about it like this. That bullet that Logan had been carrying around the whole time for himself ended up in He X-24. didn't carry it around for himself. <laughs> it shot. It, yeah, he did. He says he was going to shoot himself. It killed the animal I side of him, that so that like, all that was left after the animal the side human, of him was the, was the yeah. human. And it's interesting how his last words to Laura are about not being an animal, not being what they wanted her to be, yeah. and and that's kind of the message at the end of the film. You know, he's uh, he keeps telling her to find a way to live with what she's done, and you know, she's kind of okay with killing people because they're not good people. But it, as far as he's concerned, yeah. it gets it doesn't get any easier, no matter who you're murdering. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, there's a lot of parallels to be drawn there, and I think that yeah, I think Laura is a good character that could could progress more if they decided to. But uh, and a lot of people have said that it sets itself up for a sequel, and it does. But I think the the open ended nature of these kids going off to God knows what mm-hmm. is is fine because you know yeah. it is from Logan's perspective, and he doesn't get to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. I you know, the, the world yeah, moves on without yeah. him at this point. Yeah. After this point, yeah, no, it definitely lends itself to to them having their own little adventure, setting up their own school and getting a new Baby X-Men. guy. <laughs> I don't want to see that, though, no. and I don't think it's necessary. I, I quite think like that, the open-ended nature yeah, of it. I think us imagining that they've gone and made it to Canada, Canada, um, is enough. I don't need to be like, why were they trying to get to Canada? Because it, it promises safety. It's like every season of The Walking Dead. We'll go here because I've heard it's safe. Can, like in real life. Tons of maple syrup as well. Let's get yeah. to Canada. Yeah. I think but it's, it's more kind of where it all started, you know. That's where yeah. Logan yeah. is from. That's where he's from. I heard that. I didn't know that until uh, Gus told me when I was like, why the fuck were they trying to get to Canada? <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I just thought it was because they had free health care and they were nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. There's been a lot of chat about how this film is a, isn't set in the wider X-Men universe. It's its own little bubble. You know, it's the way I think about it is in comics, occasionally a writer will have an idea and they'll write a five-issue miniseries about it and yeah. it doesn't have anything to do with anything else. You know, the the story that this was loosely, and I use the term loosely oper- as an operative term, that uh, it's based on, it's, called, it's a story called Old Man Logan where it's a very old Wolverine in a, a, an apocalyptic future and it's much more... It's much bleaker than this. It's not very good, to be honest. I didn't like it. But the the idea is that Mark Miller had an idea and wrote a story about it, and it doesn't represent the future of the Marvel Universe. So, like, this film doesn't represent the future of the other X-Men films. It's just its own little story that exists by itself. And obviously we live in an age of cinematic universes. You know, we did a podcast on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, shared universes and so on. Uh, so... Is it a good idea to tell a little standalone uh, bubble story now and again, you know, if if you really want to? I think it is, but I don't personally see this as being apart from the rest of them. I 
kind of view it as being all part of the same storyline and in in a way it's i mean it's obviously really emotional and kind of uh you know it's a really sad end to these characters that you've been following for so long and in a way it's a bit like uh spoiler alert for star wars the force awakens <laughs> after after the you know party on endor and you know destroying the second death star we go back years later to find older characters who end up getting killed off yeah. you know they were the last time we saw them was at the point of celebration and they'd uh, um you know they'd won basically and now you have to go back and then have this kind of depressing uh you know revisiting of them but i, just I think, think for for this it i think it worked really well and they had to end they had to kind of sign wolverine and xavier off at some point so it, this was quite a and they're yeah, there, I mean, there is connective tissue to the other X-Men films, but it's quite loose. You know, they mentioned the Statue of Liberty, which people will know from the first film. And um, there's, you know, you have to vaguely know what a mutant is and you have to know who Wolverine is and so on. But the, the, these miniseries that I'm talking about, they assume that you know the broad strokes of the universe you're reading and you're willing to just get a story that, you know, assumes all that knowledge already and you just get on with it. And yeah. I don't for a second think that this is the future of the current crop of X-Men films, because that's... It kind of writes them into a corner that way, so it makes it feel like, well, if they're all just going to get wiped out anyway, what's the point of anything? You know, and- How can there be any more to do? Like, I I really feel like X-Men shouldn't even bother making anything again because it's never going to be as good as this. Well, the, the, you know, they're only in the 80s in, in X-Men Apocalypse, so there's still a number of years to tell stories. Oh, my God. There's all, yeah, there's all sorts of things they can do with X-Men films. There's, just, there's I don't know, there's hundreds and hundreds of characters that they could focus on i mean most of them aren't that good but um some of them are you know they already time travel so they've already kind of introduced the idea of alternate timelines so yeah but but this film is is its own world you know it's it's vaguely connected but it's not it's not completely connected it isn't like a sequel in in the the strictest sense so and I, i do think it's a good idea to just you know, move away from that and tell a different story now and again. I mean, you, what you're going to get is get a lot of people saying, "Oh, every superhero film should be its own own little bubble, and every you know every superhero film should be R-rated to explore more mature themes." Blah blah blah. But I think that kind of misses the point of why this film works. And and this film works because it's a part. This film works because people cared about it when they made it. You know, and there was no real. Well, there was no real attempt to tie it into continuity, but you can still make good continuity-driven stories anyway. But it it works because it's its own little thing, and it's and it's a good own little thing. I mean, you could apply this, you could apply a similar template to almost anything and come up with with garbage. You know, and you I see so many copycat films of of things that are popular that it's probably best not to fall into that trap. Mm-hmm. I think it works because of the weight of the farewell to the characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, and because you're so used to seeing, you know, even if it's like a supposed on-screen death of a of a superhero or, or what have you, uh, they always come back or they always get resurrected or they always avoided death by inches or whatever. And yeah. this time it really feels final. And so I think that's why it feels just so, so good and so, also so sad at the same time. Yeah. Well, this film teases the hell out of that as well. You know, they have that long lingering shot on his uh, in, on his rocky grave. 
suggesting that maybe he's just going to punch his way out of that, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, I imagine, well, I stayed to the end of the credits to see if there was a post-credit scene, and that's the kind of thing you would get in a post-credit scene, you know, him um, a shot of the rocks and then a rock moving or his hand coming out or the claws coming out or something. And I'm glad that, you know... off the coffin. Yeah. But yeah, well, it reminded me of that exact moment. Yeah. Um, but... Inst- you know, it, tees- it, it kind of lets you drink in the moment and the, and the finality of it. You know, it's this funeral and it is, it is an ending. It's, yeah. you know, it's his death. It's not, you know, it's not, oh, look, he's still alive. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, they could have so easily have done. If they'd done that, I would have punched yeah. them in the goddamn tits. I think, they- <laughs> <laughs> I think they did it the right way. I think they sent them off in the right yeah. way. Yeah, and, and I quite like how one of his last words, you know, one of his last words is, uh, you know, so that's what it feels like, you know, like he's kind of just about to experience death, mm-hmm. something that he could never do. It's just, yeah, it's a really poignant ending for the character. But, Definitely. Yeah, but recasting Wolverine, it's going to happen sometime. I mean, what no! do well, the thing is, <laughs> we're a generation that's seen X-Men films, you know, for 17 years with Hugh Jackman mostly in the in front of all of them. But there are generations coming up who won't watch um, the X-Men films in that way or won't have that connection to them. And they'll be, you know, eventually they'll be willing to accept a new version of the character. If you look at, like, Superman, for instance, Christopher Reeve owned that part for so many years. And then eventually it gets to the point where enough people forget or are willing to accept something new that they, they, they let someone else have a go. Um, Batman's another one. I mean, he's never been iconically tied to a particular actor, but you know the, these things move on, and I think the character's profitable. So I think we will eventually have a new one. Um, or Star Trek, for instance. You know, Captain Kirk, Spock. They were uh, they were so iconically embodied by Nimoy and Shatner, etc. And uh, people did accept Zachary Quinto and Chris Pine and. Um, Carl Urban and so on. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think it's impossible to, for, even for me to accept a new Wolverine. I just, as long as it's not like right away. Yeah, I think that, that I think that's why it's difficult to, to imagine recasting right now because I think that they will, or if they're wise, they'll leave it for a long enough time that we can kind of let this um, portrayal of him rest. Uh, yeah. And then by the time they come to recast it, it's going to be someone that, you know, we wouldn't have any clue who it would be right now because they're probably far too young. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we don't know them. They're probably in some backwater TV show that we'll never, you know, that nobody watches. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it could happen. And there's probably, yeah, there's other actors that could do it, just not really as, uh, not really put their stamp on it in the same way. You know, it's... Mm-hmm. I mean, eventually we'll need a new Iron Man because, you know, Robert Downey Jr. isn't ageless. and it, It's just these things move on, and if they want to keep making films about these characters, you'll just have to deal with it eventually, you know. And it'll be there'll be a point where a certain audience won't accept it and they won't watch it, but there'll be plenty that will. I mean, we already put up with the recasting of uh, Magneto and um, Xavier, you know. Yeah. They, they were mostly pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they were, they were good casting. Um. So there's, yeah, I, th- I think it could happen, and I'm not. I think, yeah, I think it will. I just, uh, yeah. I, yeah, for now, I can't 
see it, or I hope it won't be done and, uh, for a few years yet. No, hopefully they'll let Wolverine uh, rest for <laughs> for a bit. He deserves yeah, I mean, it you've after got, all um, that. Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got Laura now, and you can tell those kinds of stories yeah. with her. And I mm-hmm. think they could retool her slightly and bring her into the the actual continuity-driven X-Men films in some way. I mean, they do hint at her in the post-credit scene for X-Men Apocalypse, for instance. So they could do that with with Laura, and you know, you can have this this feral type character who you know is very violent and so on, but. Mm-hmm. It, it just depends what they're planning next. I think I don't think they, that Fox know what they're going to do with the character next. Yeah, uh, I don't Ryan know. Reynolds will have to fly the flag for a while, you know, with his <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he'll be well, the money. He'll be the cash cow for a while. Hopefully, hopefully that does kind of pay off. Well, hopefully it continues to pay off for them because I I would quite like that to fill the void, uh, and that would mean that they wouldn't rush to to make, you know, a, a Wolverine reboot or somehow recast Wolverine too quickly. I think that probably could work if, because uh, obviously Deadpool is, was very successful and I'm hoping that it continues on that way. Yeah. Yeah, give it five years and, and maybe people will be open to a new Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, when they drag Hugh Jackman out of retirement somehow, you know, to, <laughs> he just he just can't <laughs> let go and he just keeps coming out and... Yeah, and eventually he is, you know, like ninety years old and still playing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, anything could happen, and yeah, I, I think Fox aren't going to let the character die for too long, but maybe long enough. Natalie, what do you think? What about what? About um, the potential recasting of a, a Wolverine? Um, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't but, know why, and, and that's why they should leave it for why, a while. I just don't know why we're so fixated on rotating characters and stories and well, and all of that. And I just am like, they've done this. Like, why do they need to go back to it? They don't. Like, it had a perfect ending. Um, we've explored that character for seventeen years now, and I mean, really properly. I think in the last couple of years in movies that Wolverine Origins. You know all of that. I I don't know why you would need to find yourself back at that character for all the dollars Canadian. No, and come US. on! Like seriously, find a new fucking story. Oh. Like <laughs> what? There are there are other comics out there waiting to be made into a movie. Find it's a popularity movie. thing. You know, I'm, yeah. I've I've said well, on previous. I've said on previous podcasts, whenever Marvel launch a new character, Spider-Man will turn up in the first five <laughs> or so issues because he's popular and, you know, people will buy a comic because Spider-Man's in it and they'll get, people they'll get an introduction to, to the times. And I think what made this so, so um, poignant is that we all recognised that it was necessary for this character to end, you know, and and. It'd been, it's been around for 17 years in the movies, it's been around in the comics for, when was the first X-Men comic out? Uh, in the 60s I forget which exact oh, year like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's coming up 60 years like, Well the Wolverine wasn't invented until like the 70s so. Right, well thanks for leaving that out <laughs> <laughs> still, He's just a whippersnapper It's still a long time and I just feel like His first appearance be... was in a Hulk comic actually So Ooh. all the all the all the wee new mutants, if they're gonna do a story about that, let them do a story about that. But 
I just feel like they don't need to come back and explain or redo or multiple timeline, whatever, any other part of this. I think they should go with the f- a fresher direction if that's what they're wanting. Um, you hear that, Fox executives? That's what I want! <laughs> I want. <laughs> well, you know, they were interested in what I had to say about Fantastic Four, so. <laughs> <laughs> Come and watch it again. We'll change your mind. You should have got some free shit off and of that. And about that poster you tried to sell on eBay, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> Stop throwing me under the bus. Come People on. Will be listening. It was a long time ago. Statute of limitations I needed, as well. I needed on that one. <laughs> I had an electricity bill to pay, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> Cease and desist. And I just really hated your film and wasn't willing to change my opinion for for nothing. Although, you know... if Stop trying to buy his love! (laughs) (laughs) Although, if you're going to buy it, make it a significant price tag. Um, But also, can you thank someone for making the Logan's retrospective? Because it's just taken me a while to find it because I could only find it in Spanish. It's the three it's almost four minutes long this is what i watched yesterday morning when i was still heartbroken um and it's wolverine logan's retrospective 2000 to 2017 with heart playing and it is tremendous it'll be in the show notes i'll find it for the show notes i'll i can send it to you i can only find it on vimeo at the moment but um it'll be on youtube don't worry did you watch it did you watch it it? yeah yeah i have seen it yeah i tagged you in it earlier and you didn't say anything and i thought it's because you'd sent me or you yeah you sent us a video and i thought fuck if you just sent us a video that i didn't watch because you tagged me in wasn't working because it was covered in tears oh (laughs) (laughs) but that video that you sent us that 35 second long one that should be in the show notes as well because oh it's going to be don't worry that was I sometimes I don't click on things, but I clicked on it, and I um, I really enjoyed watching it, and it was really good fun. It's Hugh Jackman doing additional dialogue, and just basically additional like, grunting. Yeah, <laughs> and just kind of about pretending to be slashing things. Um, but he, oh, I don't know, he looked really cute. So <laughs> I was very happy. <laughs> It reminded me of that scene in Real Steel, you know, where he's like shadow boxing as as well. Oh, I didn't see that movie because it looks oh, shit. It's very good. I love it. Oh. Yeah. So recast Wolverine. You're not a fan. Uh, huh? You're not a fan of recasting yeah, I just, Wolverine. I just I'm. Don't know why people get so hung up on on redoing the same things? Like, get something, get something new. I'm willing to accept it, but not right now. <laughs> and I hope that whoever plays him is currently being developed in the lab. And <laughs> for another 20 That's or so. what it's going to be. They're just going to clone Hugh Jackman, a younger Hugh Jackman, <laughs> and just uh, and have him return to the role every time. Well, they've done it before. <laughs> they've done it before. Or maybe they could CGI him like in uh, like Tarkin style, you know? Yeah, get Pierre Cushing to do it. Thank <laughs> <laughs> Uh there are options. We have the technology. We can build them, make them stronger. <laughs> yeah, but we don't want to spend a lot of money. Well, I I feel like I've been a bit incoherent and I've babbled a lot and I've said how heartbroken and sad I am. Choking back the tears. Um, <laughs> and, but I also think that I've said what I didn't like about the movie. And I feel a bit bad about that because I feel like I was harsh on Stephen Merchant. Yeah, sorry, I actually Stephen really Merchant. Like, um, <laughs> I actually, actually love you. Um, and, the old uh, monster. Yeah. I liked and, his Caliban. Yeah. But yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I felt bad for him. Boyd Holbert. Loved it. Yeah, I liked him too. I've never seen him before, but I liked his face. Narcos. Watch season one and two. Available on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> We're not sponsoring this. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> um, but did we cover the last part? The bit before wrap up? Did we cover Hugh Jackman's impact as Wolverine? Uh, yeah, extensively. Yes. <laughs> I feel like this whole I feel this like this whole, whole has podcast that. has been that. So I was just making sure yeah. that we oh, yeah. Well, this is yeah, this is one of many love letters to Wolverine. Oh, yeah. I really uh, want to go watch them all and get steal that kid's Wolverine action figure. Yeah, that's one thing we should talk about. Uh, comic books in a comic book movie starring the characters that are in that film. <gasps> yeah, and he's like the coordinates to Eden. That's just from this comic. Yeah, well, I, I quite liked that because it, it was something in a comic book that was brought to life and used as part of the story for this film. It is actually an adaptation, if you think about it, because the, the kids use the coordinates as a meeting point. Yes, they do. Um, because, yeah. you know, so they, they they read it in a comic and applied it to real life. Yeah. Interesting. That was, that was really, I, and I liked that. And actually, we didn't talk about the movie all that much but that whole um that whole part where he is going to go to get more money to take her to the certain place and he realizes it's this fantasy and that it's not real and then he doesn't know what to do with her um oh, that was also heartbreaking <laughs> and he buys her the unicorn outfit <laughs> and lets her like Get more t- another dime or something for that, like mechanical horse. <laughs> yeah, well, otherwise she was going to cut the place up, so you know he didn't have much of a choice there. Yeah, but it's like he really did He's teach so her lessons. <laughs> but yeah, I found the use of the comics in there because it kind of highlights the whole, um, that how this whole superhero thing is glorified, and yeah. rightly so. You know, yeah. people are like, "I've got powers; it's amazing," and of course it is. I mean, it's. It is. It's great to have superpowers and be able to do all these amazing things. And you know, and in the comics, well, multiple people. Yeah, Don't comics, you think that was like a great, like, um, great link between the older movies and now? Because you know, I think the older movies, the like early ones, they sort of glamorized all of that and. And had them in shiny suits and stuff, and now he's all. The older like, films didn't. The older films had them in that really boring leather stuff. You know, it was. Um, the costumes were pretty maligned in the early films. But they're wearing costumes. Like, he's not wearing a costume in this one. Do you know what I mean? Well, they're like, wearing, yeah, they're wearing uniforms, but they aren't, like, they're costumes. Yeah, but they are yeah. costumes because back in the day, they're dressed a particular way to represent what a superhero looks like. They're dressed in a particular way in their comics because they're. Um, they're putting that sort of glamour over what their their role is. Unless you're because you just cut about in his pants. Yeah, but he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't do that at all in this movie. He is in his own clothes. He's been like that in the last couple of movies. But he's wearing his own stuff and He's only worn a costume in three of the films. I don't know that, Craig. <clears throat> I haven't counted, okay? But I've seen them in the earlier ones and they're all It's only small parts insane. of those films. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, he's always in his He's always in his tank top, jeans, leather jacket combo. Well, most of the time. When he's in a costume, costume but when he's in a costume, like (laughs) the leather stuff, I am reading that in the movie as like when he's looking at the comics 
I see that as like a total like comment on the earlier movies and the glamorized like versions of that as to where they are now, you know, the grittier versions and I think it's it's also a comment on other comic book movies. Uh, or at least the way I see it, because they, they make a defined point about saying that, you know, in real life people die and it's not fun and, it's mm. you know, these are just stories for kids and, and whatever. I mean, you've, you know, I, I love the Marvel films, but they are aimed at a, a decisively young audience and, you know, they don't, there are certain levels of darkness that they just won't cross into because it'll be off-putting to large amounts well, of people. So they, they kind of... Yet. Yeah, and I don't think they will, at least not anytime soon. Well, give it a uh, ten years, we'll have a... <laughs> weird death of thor movie and well they do they, they do that kind of stuff in their netflix shows you know that's where they they do all their darkness but what what they um the comics scene in logan do is is tell you that this isn't that kind of film mm-hmm. um and you know it, i don't think it necessarily says that those kinds of films are bad or anything like that it's just telling you that they're not going that way they're doing something different because mm-hmm. even the even the solo Wolverine films have had a kind of comic book flair about them, or the the other X Men films are kind of larger than life, and in in a lot of ways, especially the more recent ones. You know, Days of Future Past is about as comic book silliness as it gets, and uh, X Men Apocalypse. You used to see the costumes for like the first time, and and all that stuff. But they, um, but this film is just yeah, it's about people, and and these people yeah. happen to be comic book characters. Yeah. Can you add because you've made this go into my head now? Can you add a link to Backstreet Boys' larger than life music video? <laughs> because I've got that I, in my head now. I don't that know. The music police have come again. <laughs> yeah. I think it'll sit nicely with Johnny Cash's like song at the end. So now what we need to do is um do a, a alternate cut of this film, but put the Backstreet Boys in it and see how the tone. <laughs> oh my god! Please, someone don't do that. No, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I almost forgot about the comics within comics, but or within comic book movies because it's, I don't know, it's it's not something that's made too fine a point of. I think that you know it does show up, and, and the fact that the, you've got a Wolverine action figure in there is is really good as well because it's mm-hmm. yeah, it is kind of the. I suppose to these people, he does represent that comic book hero side of things because he does get to become Wolverine one last time when he injects himself with that yes. magic drug. You know, yes. so he, he gets to go on one final rampage that doesn't he last took long. It all once. He took yeah. it all once. I know. I really thought that he'd get more out of that, and I thought <laughs> that we were going to go for like something super epic and and. Oh, and it's just like there's just, just no beating it. Down. There's just no beating it at all. Just and too broken down. Yeah, he, he he has a short sprint and then that's him. Um, what was your he... favourite... Can I just ask, because I have an answer to this, but what was your favourite scene in the movie? My like, maybe not like, maybe not like a super major scene, but for example, this is one of my favourites and it's not really like a huge part of the movie, but there's a scene where Laura has been shot in the arm and she's in the back of the car and she sucks the bullet out and spits it onto the floor. And I really liked that, and it was just like a small, like a really small scene. But there was something in that that I absolutely like loved as a scene. My my favorite scene, I think, was when Xavier was talking about having the most perfect day he'd had in a long time. Uh, oh. Because you know that 
because the thing is, I mean, I would, I, you know, I'd, I'd watch Patrick Stewart reading the dictionary. I really would. But you know, when he's <laughs> when he gets to really dig into like really intense emotional monologues like that, it's um, you know, it's it's captivating to watch. And the fact that he's playing someone who's so frail but has a bit of pride about him, it's just that scene is just great, you know. And, and real and powerful. I mean, yeah. let's not forget he's super powerful still. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is, and yeah, but, but his power can't be controlled, and he's a danger to yeah. everyone around him, which is I, you know, like which song. leads to my one of my favorite scenes, which is when he's having the seizure in the hotel, and it's a kind of a play on the sort of quicksilver thing where uh, Logan and Laura are. Yeah. tearing the place up but yeah. as best they can while everyone else is kind of um, in the thralls of this yeah. uh, seizure and then it's it's really graphic as well because he I mean Wolverine just oh, utterly tears the place yeah. up many Although, have stabbed and then everyone kind of falls to the ground after they manage to inject Xavier uh-huh. although that's the one, one thing I, I couldn't work out how come they didn't realise they were dead until Xavier's seizure, seizure stopped you know, they were, they were still standing, even though their well, their brains had been impaled. So you know, they were they were dead, and they were held like the vibrations are holding them in place. Like, well, it's not really, it's not really vibrations. Like Xavier's not telekinetic. Is you know, it's just his telepathy is is right. causing people. But it's to... so strong that it's creating these these force ripples. This is my fan explanation. Yeah, because <laughs> you can you can almost they try to create like a visual idea of like the vi the vibe like the strength of like the mind power, and it's created these like incredible force ripples that's like holding everyone in place, and they're the only ones that are able to move like beyond that. Like, oh, that was good too. Yeah, it was almost kind of dimensional rather than yeah than mental. Yeah, yeah. and I think that that's what it's become like. And oh yeah, it was good. So I, liked how, um, I liked how Xavier was apologising on the way out as well. <laughs> you know, <it's> just <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. Obviously, he doesn't want to be like this. And, um, yeah. Oh, it's so sad. Yes, it's it's incredibly grim. It's a very we're depressing gonna film. We're going to watch it again. I might <laughs> let myself cry this time. I try to stop myself. I will definitely see it again. Yeah. Maybe not in the cinema, but somewhere. I will. I will watch it again, yeah. and again, and again, and again. Yeah, I I can see myself watching it again, definitely. Which is which is a good thing. So on that note, yeah, yeah, I think we should wrap things up because no, it's are, been two hours almost. Jesus, we're, we're according to my recording, we're currently about half an hour less than the running time of the film. So you know what I'm doing. Okay? <laughs> so um. <laughs> It's almost a commentary track, but not quite. Commentary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so as a wrap-up, everyone loved the film. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, Godspeed Hugh Jackman. Good work. <laughs> Good work. And Patrick Stewart. Pour one out for and Charlie Patrick Stewart, Stewart. yes. Patrick yeah, Stewart, and that, and the always family. magnificent. Poor innocent family. <laughs> yep. Those poor innocent family, yes. And the horses. The horses escaped. It was fine. Yeah. Yeah. And the creepy corn syrup fields with weird robots and shit. That was weird. <laughs> yeah. That's my final comment, though. Classic like I, wrapping yeah. up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, and that and that. I actually feel like we've barely like touched any of the movie, and I could actually probably talk for like another hour, but I'm aware that it's quite late. I'm aware <laughs> that I can't work all day, and I'm tired. I think we've covered quite 
a lot of it actually. We've we've covered all the bases that I wanted to cover. Mm. Yeah, so there, I just yeah. To talking about how sad it made me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a great therapy session. <laughs> it has. It's good to digest it. No, and, uh, I've got more questions, and I want to watch it again. <laughs> well, it's good to say that a film makes you want to watch it again because you see so many where they're like, "Yeah, okay, I've seen that." don't really need to see it again. But this one, no, I do want to see it again and again. It will proudly adorn my Blu-ray shelf one day. (laughs) Okay. Are we done? Yes. I will bid bid all the good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. That was our discussion of Logan, where we covered all the mixed emotions and pain. Thank you to YouTuber John Pumper for his haunting rendition of the Logan main titles you heard at the beginning. And thank you to the other YouTuber, 331ERock, for the more uplifting X-Men 90s theme that can be heard now. If you enjoyed what you heard here, then please do subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. And tune into the next Neil Before Pod. (laughs) 